Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, and somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is absolutely a force to be reckoned with. Her Uncharted journey began when she started building websites during her graphic design internship in 1997. Now, over two decades later, as Blend's Blend Interactive's CEO and visionary, this powerhouse uses her creativity to foster a company culture and environment that attracts some of the best web designer and development talent in the industry. For almost 20 years, she's led and continues to lead her teams by leaning into tackling complex client challenges. Accomplished on so many fronts, she's been an advocate for women in tech for pretty much her entire career, often speaking locally and nationally to encourage young women to pursue pursue careers in STEM. She's the 2022 SBA Small Business Person of the Year for South Dakota and is an active member within startups and small business community. We're not busy running blend. She's busy organizing her family, playing tennis, and participating and enjoying in a glass of wine or two occasionally. Welcome, Carla. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm great. I'm so glad this worked out. We, uh, we, but we've known each other for several years. Um, I met you, I think the first time actually in South Dakota, one of the few times I've been there, uh, speaking at your conference, we bumped into each other at another conference this year, but, uh, how are things in South Dakota snowing yet? Uh, well, we don't like to talk about the snow. <laughs> yes. <sighs> I think we're still supposed to be having fall, but the snow has fallen. It's melted. It's come again. Uh, there's a little bit of white left on the ground, but, uh, as we turn into the holidays here, it's, it, it is pretty nice to have a little white on the, on the ground for the holidays, and uh, then it can go away. Um, as I get older, I feel like the, the winters here are a little too long, if you know what I mean. I, uh, yes, so it, uh, we've got snow here in Toronto, and it's, it's early, because usually it comes and then it leaves, and we really right. don't have, stay, have snow staying on the ground for, you know, into December, usually, and I think it's here to stay, which is... But what are you going to do, right? It is winter, and when you live in this part of the world, (laughs) that's the risk. Well, that is one of the reasons why the conference that you came to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, was our conference called Now What? And we hosted that in the spring, so you didn't have to deal with the snow. But that's where where we first met. So Blend, uh, for five years, hosted a conference that was about launching a website and what do you do with it next and thank you for being uh, a speaker at that conference and I've gotten to know you well and many of the other speakers are still in touch with us so it's been a great success. I gotta say it was one of the to date um, and I've been doing conferences for a long time the the couple of times that I was I was there and participating one of the best conferences that that venue that you held it at um, I think it was an old theater Mm -hmm. but just I think it's the best stage I've ever spoken on. Oh, really? That is so cool. Oh, absolutely. Okay, well, we'll we'll probably get into that a little bit as we talk today, but I love creating, like, environments and a feel and an atmosphere that is welcoming, and I was um, actually the one who designed that conference, so a lot of my creativity and the aesthetic that you experienced was was for me, so that's, that's part of the way I got into this role and, and use those skills to lead the company as well. That's a perfect segue. I was just going to say, I gave the highlight reel before we segued off into to weather. Tell our audience a little bit more about uh, you and, and what you do. Sure. 
So I am the CEO and a founding partner of Blend Interactive. We're a web design development company in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but have a national and international client base. So uh, I've been doing that for almost 18 years. And I actually started in web design and development back in the 1990s. So I went to college for graphic design because I knew that I had design talent and wanted to make a career out of that at some point. Um, when I was in high school, I used a electronic typewriter to type my papers, if that doesn't make you feel old. Um, so in 1994 through 98, that was really a transformational time when the web was was becoming a thing. Um, turns out websites needed to be designed and development back in the day was also very simplistic. You really couldn't do a lot online. So I was a very early um, creator on on the web. I created a lot of first websites for people. Uh, and I still work in that industry today. However, my role has really evolved throughout the years. And, and now I have an entire team of people much smarter than me that uh, do the work and create websites. But it's certainly been a fun journey watching our jobs evolve over the last couple decades. Yeah, that's amazing that you recognized where the drive was from a creativity perspective, and we were, were able to turn that into something on the technical side of thing. Often that creativity, we, we, we go in a different path, but applying it to, to things like technology and architecture, uh, technical ar architecture, and, and building a whole business around that, I think is one of the, you really see that uniqueness in, in Blend's approach, having worked with you guys and, and, and knowing several of your, your team your team from from the organization it's um clearly your your vision and and direction uh is has shaped the organization very clearly so uh as as my audience knows i always start with four core questions so if you're ready to jump into those we'll we'll get going okay i'm i'm ready i've listened to several of your of your episodes so i had to think pretty hard about these so let's let's bring them all right what's the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up I wanted to be an art teacher, and I think that stems from knowing that I had creative talent, uh, and also my mom was a teacher, so that's what I knew. But I think growing up, when we're when we're very young, I think we had different ideals, right? Teacher, police officer. Um, there were some general options for careers that I think we gravitated towards, and I just assumed that teaching art would be the right option for me, coming from my background. Was there, um, do you remember who the big first, the first big influencer in your life was? So honestly, it was my art teacher, surprisingly. Uh, in fifth grade, I remember Mr. Mr. Sikora pulling me aside and saying that he saw something in me and my design talent. Um, I specifically remember drawing this candle that was lit and it had wax dripping down the side and it was a charcoal drawing. And it stood, it stood apart, I guess, from the rest of the class. And he pulled me aside and put me in a special program called Young Picassos that met after school and really helped us refine our, um, our creativity, our, art, our skills in art. And that was the first person who specifically set me aside and said, listen, you have talent, you need to do something with this. And Along with that, I think I grew up in a household that was just very creative. My mom had a craft closet and a sewing closet, and 
that's what we did for fun is we created things and we used our our minds to create these wonderful gifts and and decorate things so I think little did I know my mom was just creating the environment for my design talent to flourish and it really took that one teacher to pull me aside and be like hey that's that's not actually normal that you're you're outstanding in a certain way and so um that I specifically remember him calling me out and I've just stuck with that to this day where I know that I was born with specific talents that I can use in different ways than other people. And I need to make sure that I'm honing them and continuing to use them throughout my career, no matter what my role might be. So I'm curious, um, is that your go-to? I mean, I, I did some digging. I didn't see any, uh, art gallery <laughs> exhibitions, uh, with, with your name, but is that something so many of us picked up not necessarily a hobby, but a, a side interest and in, or got, went back to one during COVID. Did, did you find more time for, for are you, is it drawing or painting? What's your, your medium of choice? I would say I'm good at all of them and have patience for none. I, oh, I don't know what I happened that. when I got old, but if I can't kick out something in an hour, I, I just don't feel driven to do it. Uh, I know that sounds bad, but I think part of it is once you become a digital designer, you have these tools that you're you can you can copy you can paste you can select all and align and all of these wonderful tools that make your job easy as a designer uh, aren't there when you go back to pen and paper and paint and so I rarely pick up a pencil and draw because I I actually gravitate towards design um, digitally instead I think for those conveniences but I do use my creativity in different ways, like obviously decorating my house for dinner parties or even the holidays. But ultimately, um, I've been afraid of some of the trends, like remember when scrapbooking was a thing? I, you know, there's <laughs> yes. these creative outlets that we can dive into that I actually stayed away from because I knew if I started, I wouldn't be able to stop. So um, unfortunately, I, I do, did not go back to the fine arts, but I do use that creativity in different ways throughout my life. Well, you know what? That was very wise of you. I have one friend in particular who uh, she got into scrapbooking when it was first a thing. So that was what, like 20 plus years ago Mm -hmm. with all the, oh, and she has not stopped the whole digital, the whole digital thing now that you can go on and create these books and whatnot online. Uh She still does old school, but she is, when it comes to that stuff, she is a rock star because she creates these books um, for others. So she, she's annoying to no end because she's constantly <laughs> taking pictures. Like everything you do, she takes a picture, but then she has them and she creates these wonderful memory books. So um, as, wow. as I, used, I used to laugh, but you know what? <laughs> Joke's on me now because she'd see the memories that she's created, um, not only for her, but for like her, her kids and friends and stuff like that. So, but enough about that. Next question. Is there a song that epitomizes your career path? Do you know how hard this one is? I tell you. And I can't sing. But uh, so I selected Break My Stride by Matthew Wilder. This was 1983. Um, I'm going to try to sing it because I bet you know it. And now now it's going to be stuck in your head. But it's uh, Ain't Nothing Gonna Break My Stride. Nobody Gonna Slow Me Down. Oh, no. That one. Got to keep on moving. Yeah. So I... (laughs) For whatever reason, that one popped into my mind when I read the question, and it did for some reason, right? So uh, I think that 
I've been through a lot of challenges in my life, both professionally and personally. Some, some major things have happened and I've always just picked myself up, uh, kept moving. Don't break your stride. I am incredibly resilient. And so I think that song in particular really resonates with me as far as a career. I think it's, I think it's about love and, and dating or something, but we're just going to apply that to my career. Don't break my stride. I think that's an excellent choice, and I will, uh, in retro, apologize to our audience for my singing. <laughs> Yours oh my was gosh. good. Mine, no, no, not no. so much. No, should not be allowed, but anyway, there, there it is. <laughs> and if your career were street name, what would the actual road name be? Okay, this one was even harder, I have to say, because I've listened to several of your episodes. The answers are so great, but, I mean, there's streets, there's avenues, there's lanes, there's cul-de-sacs. Like, which one? So I, I actually researched this a little bit and I came up with Midwest Promenade. And the reason why I chose a promenade is because it's historically a term for a street where people dress well to go to be seen and to display their social status. And I know that sounds very um, self-centered, but the way that I look at that is that, um, you know, I am in this role where it's often very public. I'm the public persona for the company. Um, I repeat, but the thing is I've repeatedly shown up as myself, a quirky, funny, sometimes overly honest leader. Uh, sometimes being in the Midwest, uh, we have a tendency to maybe think that we're maybe not as good as someone on the coast, but ultimately here in the Midwest, like it's our honesty, integrity, friendly nature that uh, attracts a lot of people. And so I feel like Midwest Promenade would be uh, an accurate uh, street name for my career. And to add to that, I, I used to have a business partner who would legitimately tell me when a client was coming, like, show up and be charming. And I used to get so mad because I'm like, I am more than charming. I am a smart, intelligent leader. How dare you say that? But I understand now that by charming, what was meant is like, be yourself, be relatable, be real, be a good human being. And I feel like not only am I that person, but our company is that type of company where we're, we're just us. Like we're all flawed. We're all, we're all learning as we go, but we are honest and we are good people. And, um, that's what we show up as on the promenade. I think that's brilliant. And I'd love to dig in. So um, show up and be charming. I'm guessing I know who that person is who used to tell you that. <laughs> Shocking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so for our audience, one of Carla's uh, former co-founders, um, no longer with the organization, again, you know, not charming in his own way, let's, let's just say so. But he's now left Blend. So tell us a little more about what your career journey's look like and and maybe particularly over the last five or so years where there's been so much change for you yeah i i think as a whole my career has been a series of changes surprises um maybe my road should have been some twisty turny type of um cliff path but uh yeah i think that as our company has evolved like we're we're still a small company so we're we're 24 people, so we're a small agency here in the Midwest, but we we punch above above our level. Uh, what's the, the phrase that we use? There? Your weight we, class. Yeah, we hit above our weight class. 
So we are really kind of a best of class team of people who get introduced to projects and clients that are pretty amazing. So it's been quite the journey as we evolve and grow. And I think there's, there's been some self-doubt along the way that I've had to overcome where, you know, something might seem too big or just out of reach, but we've always just knocked it out of the park. But as we've grown, so have our leaders and our reputation for having amazing employees. Um, and Dean Barker was one of the founders of Blend Interactive and uh, really became known as a CMS expert. And so we were the first North American partner for EpiServer back in the day, which is now Optimizely. And so he has become, oh man, his title, it, it evolves as well, but I think he's the global director of CMS something or other. So he is living his, his biggest life and dream right now, having global in his title and working for Optimizely, a CMS that he loves, or a DXP, I guess we should be saying these days. Um, but yeah, it's been really amazing to evolve along with these solutions that we implement, both Optimizely and Abraco is our other. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been neat to expand our um, knowledge of all of these tools that they, that they purchase and, and add to the, the platform. And with Umbraco in particular, they're just now moving into North America. So Episode, you know, we were the first North American partner in 2008. So we've been at that for quite some time, but they're just now making a push into North America. And, and thankfully, Blend and myself have been um, kind of a leader and a spokesperson for North America as they really push their offerings here. And to be selected as that person and represent not only Blend Interactive, but a CMS and DXP solution is very cool. So sometimes I like around, I'm like, who, wait, me? You want me to do that? But uh, I understand now being at this for so long that there are reasons why I get selected to be that person, that, that kind of quirky, charming, I guess we'll say, um, but just witty and fun, relatable person to represent both, both my company and others as well. And you, you are absolutely from a, uh, you know, honest and humble because for those listening, um, when Carla talks about being the lead partner for EpiServer now, Optimizely, um, we're talking about competing against the likes of uh, CGIs and Accentures and the IBMs of the world, mm -hmm. which are, you know, thousands and thousands of people in just those practices. So, uh, kudos um, and credit where credit is due because you guys have built an amazing practice that um, bar none is second to, to nobody. Um, I've never heard, been in this a long time and I've never heard anything uh, remotely negative about Blend. So, well, thank you. Um, yeah, so credit where credit is due, my friend. <laughs> thank you. And I'll just add that I think part of it is that our goal, our 10 year target, we're, we're, we run EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System at Blend. Uh, our ten-year target is to have, to be known as the best in the, to have the best team in the industry by 2030. So I think that's just part of our culture, what we strive for. It's not about revenue goals. It's really like, who do we have? What do we know? Look at us as experts in our industry, and and that's really what we strive for. Well, I have no doubt that you will make it, and 
we'll have you back to celebrate in 20, well, hopefully before <laughs> that, but definitely in 2030. Sounds uh, good. When, when you meet that target. You mentioned your creativity and knowing about that since an early age and having a, a designer background. Was there a defining moment, a decision, something that really significantly impacted the trajectory of your career and anchored into to what it is that you do now? Yeah, I think the success of the company has always been on an upward path. Mine in particular, although I was CEO, I probably wasn't the most visible uh, visible member of the company, uh, team member, and I attribute that to having a huge fear of public speaking, which honestly held me back for, for years. And so if I have to think of a turning point that really changed my career, it's when the person who is typically the, the person, you know, the, that spokesperson for our company was in another country and, uh, there was an event and that was happening and the internet association was having a small business crawl, uh, in downtown Sioux Falls, South Dakota, discussing net neutrality of all things. So Senator John Thune and two FCC commissioners, Ajit Pai and Michael O'Reilly, showed up at Blend Interactive with the Associated Press, like all of the media, all of it, like our entire office was filled with cameras and mics and reporters. And I looked around and like, who's going to do this? It's got to be me. And so often behind the scenes, getting stuff done and, and leading the company internally really turned into this public facing opportunity where all of a sudden I was the one in the spotlight. Um, I must've done well. The internet association then asked me to fly to DC and uh, attend uh, the internet association gala with, you know, Facebook, Amazon, eBay, all of these big, big, big online companies. And I was able to present Senator Thune with the Congressional Internet Freedom Award. So again, had to get up in front of like all of these people that I idolized and talk about my little company in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and how net neutrality impacts us and what our jobs mean to us. So it was definitely a defining moment in my career. And after I got off that stage, all of these people flooded over. You know, I think I was putting everyone on a pedestal thinking, oh, you work at Facebook or Amazon. You're clearly smarter and wiser, whatever it might be. And they are such normal people just like me. And just having that experience where I was up on stage and then all of a sudden, not that I was the popular kid, but everybody wanted to talk to me. And I realized what an impact getting in front of people and being yourself and talking about your company can make on, on the world, really. You know, I have a voice and it, and it needed to be heard. And ultimately, I was somewhat pushed into it. But now I do actually enjoy doing it. I, I do speak to a lot of middle school girls, little less stressful audience there. Um, but I really like to talk to them about what STEM careers look like. I, again, maybe don't look like your stereotypical computer programmer, uh, but I talk about what careers could look like in STEM and, and hopefully influencing middle school girls to, you know, enter a different career path because based on, you know, what I might have introduced to them. So I really do enjoy the impact that public speaking makes. I'm still maybe not the most polished or refined speaker, but I think that's 
okay. I think that's part of my personality and it's genuine and it's authentic and it's just really cool to be able to show up and share my opinions and hopefully impact people on a larger scale. But I would attribute that to having to having to be forced to do it once, get it <laughs> get it out of the way. Hopefully, uh, get better at it as time goes. First time is always the most nerve wracking. Uh, it doesn't always get that much easier right away, but over time for sure. So uh, I'd say that blend absolutely benefited from uh, you stepping up to the plate, which there was no doubt that you would, um, and and taking that that meeting for the Internet Association announcement and then going forward from there. And the fact that you you go into school, take your time, because I, I, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. You've got family, you've got your, your organization to run, so making the time to encourage young women to look at a different path, perhaps, that aren't necessarily being encouraged, and the fact that you're not... Uh, a tech geek, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. and you know, aren't the typical, I guess, persona from a visual perspective that you would ex- that people expect, you know, from a from a technological um, background, and you know, people expect coders and things like that. And so, I think they're probably impacting them positively on on multiple fronts. Uh, so um, that's amazing that you you make the time to do that, and uh, our next gen will will definitely benefit from it. Right. I think even I have a 13-year-old daughter, and she is excellent in at public speaking because she's she's usually with me as I'm out and about, and people talk directly to her and ask her, oh, you know, tell me about what your interests are. And so really getting, I would love for her to start earlier, right, speaking in front of people, asking um, off-the-cuff questions, um, because we really do have... A different life too. It's something that I haven't really talked about here, but as the CEO and leader of Blend, uh, it means that our roles are very reversed in our home. And so I work full time. My husband doesn't ultimately have to have a job. So he's been the primary person taking care of our family. You know, he does a lot of the more traditional things that, that females would do or women would do. And so being a role model in that way for both those middle school girls and my own children to say, you know, you can be whoever you want to be. Just because traditional roles are defined in such a way doesn't mean that it needs to continue being that way. And so being out in front of these groups of people talking and being normal as this type of reverse role situation is super important to set an example and be a role model for others looking to be leaders or wanting to start their own company and knowing how much time that takes. Like there's give and take. You can't, you can't do both often. So, um, it's really important to me to be that role model for others. So you talk about compromises and I can, I can relate, um, while both my husband and I work full time, you know, we travel a lot um, in what we do and you, you're away for things and mm-hmm. um, our husbands have to pick up, which are great, pick up some of the stuff that typically would have been us. So it's fantastic that our kids see that, that mm-hmm. there are no male female roles when it comes to raising a family. It's everybody does what they need to do to keep the family running smoothly and, and there's balance to be found. Have you found some 
you know, what are the challenges or compromises that you're, you're facing now that maybe are a little bit different to what they were when, when kids were younger or when you had a bit of a different role within the organization? Uh, you know, I think early on when I started the company, we also both had full-time jobs and it was me with the flexible job. I think that our jobs in general are, are all changing no matter the industry. I think post pandemic with the hybrid work from home, um, you know, not everybody is going to a workplace anymore. So I think that is one of the biggest things that I've seen change is the flexibility that comes with some of these new workplaces and, and allowing whoever from your family, whether it be, you, you know, the, the mother, the father, brothers, sisters, being able to help out and be flexible. And um, that's certainly something that's been a positive benefit for a lot of women where, you know, maybe the, the traditionally male roles were at work from nine to five and, and were, not, were unavail- unavailable. Now I think there's a little bit more flexibility if somebody has a dentist appointment or something like that. But certainly early on in my career, that was me. I was starting a business. I was, you know, hauling kids where they needed to go because it was my job that provided that flexibility, which is, you know, that's a real privilege to create a a type of job that allows for that for not only myself, but my team. Um, But that's certainly changed in a positive way where I think it's a little more equal now. We all have more opportunities to help where the help is needed, which wasn't the case when I started this company. So you mentioned you had a teenage daughter. Do you see a natural, like her kicking kicking in and, and contributing more to, to find that balance as well, like recognizing sort of where her role is maturing and growing within the, or, within the not the organization, within <laughs> your family? <laughs> Yeah, the Santee so organization. I'm the CEO of our, <laughs> of our household too. Um, but no, uh, you know, I think that I don't know if it's parenting or if it's because I'm a role model or whatever it might be, but both my kids, I have a, I have a son who just went to college this past fall as well. So he's 18. They are very independent kids. And I don't know if that stems from me not necessarily being around as much so they had to learn earlier to fend for themselves it's not like they were left alone or anything but I think they're just overwhelmingly independent and I think I am too and I think I was that kind of kid but if they're hungry they'll just make themselves dinner it's okay it was just my son's birthday or recently and um, I asked like hey where do you want to go to eat for to celebrate your your birthday and he's like actually I'm gonna cook dinner for everyone And I think like, where did you learn this? But I honestly think it comes from just living in a household that we are that way. Um, You, you, you cook for yourself or you cook for your family and you step up in, in leadership roles, even though you might be young, not because you're feeling the need to be, um, you know, because no one's not feeding you, of course, like we're always available for children in that way, but I think they've been raised as very independent kids and, and it'll be fun to see how that uh, affects their careers growing up. It, it is exciting to see the the change and sometimes you're surprised by, it's like, where did you learn how to, oh, yeah. you we're paying attention. <laughs> it's a nice affirmation for us. I mean, you've had such an amazing career and been able to flex so many different muscles throughout 
whether it was you know before Blend, founding Blend, the CEO moving into a more public persona, and then really, you know, being that visionary for the organization. If you weren't in the tech space, what do you think you'd be doing? Well, I do know that one of my, I guess you'd call it superpowers, would be creating experiences. So kind of even back to our original conversation about design and how to like design something or an event that makes people feel a certain way. I know that I have that inherent talent. So I didn't go to school for interior design. That's kind of scary. Again, when you're, when you're used to undo button or a save as like you can't, you can't undo someone's carpet choice for 30,000 square feet. But I think that (laughs) same kind of skill set is something that I'm drawn to and we do these dinner parties at our house. Uh, I even gave it, a, I branded it, of course. It's called Forks and Friends. But we do these little dinner parties at our house for eight people total. And it's all about creating the setting and the environment in which we're dining and the service and the food. And I just think that creating these fun experiences is super exciting for me. So if I wasn't running a business, I might be designing these kind of upscale, really customized dinner parties or being a design consultant when it comes to interior design, like walking into a space. And I have, a, I have the ability to see things. I'm the visionary. Like even I've designed two office spaces for Blend now. Uh, both were essentially gutted. One was a parking garage and one was completely bare bones. And I can walk in and see the potential and envision what something looks like in my head. And I thought that was completely normal until my other business partners looked at me like I was crazy because they just don't see it. And so using that same skill and that talent is something that I know I need to use because it's unique and whether it be creativity or environmental space, I don't. I don't know the the technical term for what the skill is, but somehow I have to continue using that because people feel good when they're in these places that I've either impacted, designed, or experiences that I've envisioned and uh, made up. So something, I don't know what it is quite, but using that skill is what I need to do. Well, let me know if you decide to take that up as a sidebar and I will fly you up to Toronto because I, I, I can get it to probably 80%, but it's those finishing touches that amaze me. My friends who, who can, will go shopping and they'll buy something. I'm like, okay, you're going to buy it. Great. And then mm-hmm. it shows up in their house. It's like, okay, that looks fabulous. Yeah. I never would have thought to do that. Yep. It's so fun. Uh, well, good for you. That's, it's definitely not something everybody has, and it's definitely a lot of us could use. So there is a, a second, third career for you <laughs> when you're ready for it. Uh, not to freak anybody out. Carla's not going anywhere. For our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice, whether it's life, career, success, that you'd like to share? So typically, my advice is that you know you should not wait for perfection to start something And as a perfectionist myself, I have to fight that all the time. And, you know, there's really never a good time or perfect time for anything. Like if you're having, decide to have children, there's never a perfect time. If 
you decide to start your own business, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and startups, like there's never the perfect time. Um, and so I think that you really just need to be bold and take risks, even though it's super scary, because if you wait for per perfection, it's never going to come. And I think that's advice I give often, but I think I need to listen to that advice myself. I think I always look for signs as to, you know, is, should I do this? Should I not give me a sign? And, uh, the sign never tends to come. Um, so I think just being bold and not waiting for perfection before starting something is definitely key. I think that is excellent advice and, and certainly something a lot of us know there's got to be a better time. There's got to be, you know, there's this happening and that happening, but you wait too long. Life is definitely going to pass you by. So if it's something that you're driven to do, then absolutely take the, the proverbial bull by the horns and, and get going. And thank you so much for your time today. This has been just such an enlightening conversation and I've learned so much more about you, but also um, it's, I always learn so much from, from my guests. Any place that our audience can find you, web, social, any upcoming events where you're speaking? Uh, I am on most of the socials. I'm too old for TikTok, though, so don't find me there, I guess. But uh, I am at Carla Santi, K-A-R-L-A-S-A-N-T-I. I have quite a few speaking engagements for 2023. I'll be hosting Umbraco's Code Garden in Denmark, if you want to head nice. across the pond. So that is coming up in June, I believe, next year. Uh, also speaking at several events in, in the coming year. So keep an eye on our website, blendinteractive.com, and I'm sure we'll be making some announcements as to where we'll be in the upcoming year. But um, beyond that, I just want to say thank you for featuring a variety of leaders on your podcast. Um, you know, I've listened to so many of your episodes, but from women who lead hundreds of people to those of us that only lead a couple dozen, it's just really insightful and helpful to learn from all different kinds of leaders. So whether or not we're out public speaking in front of hundreds of people or it's a small group, uh, we can all make an impact no matter the size. So thank you for sharing these stories with us. Well, thank you um, for that and for being a part of, of my my journey. Um, it's something that I just, you know, I've, I've, you're, I think you're number 26 or 27 that I've done mm -hmm. and it's, it, people have been so generous with their time and I'm, I am humbled by the conversations that I have had. So Carla, thank you so much for today's conversation and to my audience, thanks for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Carla and hearing about her journey that has blended creativity and technology to build a successful company public profile and how you can use all of that for the good of all and, and raising up our next generation. If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes. You can also sign up to our email list and check out the links and resources in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Yeah.